Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. No, it is not a Monday, but as all of you listeners know, we always start our week out here on this show with a little ATP Challenger talk from Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Yaka Bobro. Now, why was there a delay in this week's episode? That's because there was a delay in the release of the 2022 Phoenix Challenger draw. That Challenger features so many of the top players in in the world. I believe the cutoff number to get into the event was number 81, which is certainly the highest cutoff ranking you will see at any Challenger event this season. What is the reasoning for that? Well, of course, Damien and Jakob will explain on the show. However, just a quick synopsis. It's because some, so many of the players who lose early in Indian Wells want to go play this event, get a few more matches under their belt before they head over to Miami. Of course, the other reason some players aren't going to get into that Miami draw, they're getting ready to head over to Europe for the start of the clay court swing. They want to get a few more hard court matches in before that Europe swing begins. As such, they elect to play the challenger in Phoenix. And again, folks, go look at that draw for yourself. Sincerely, the most loaded challenger draw we will see this season as such. Of course, on today's show, Damien and Jakob have to break down all of the action that's going to unfold in Phoenix. They also discuss the implications of Igor Marcondes' doping ban, discuss where he goes from here. They discuss the potential viewership for Metkic Pavic this week and so much more. It is another fantastic episode that we know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to it, I have to give a huge thank you to our sponsors of this Great Shot podcast, our friends over at Turn of Tennis. Now, all of you listeners are going to be well aware of the Turn of Grip. It's that iconic bluish, purplish grip you see on so many different pros, so many different challenger players, college players, junior players, regardless of 
the level, you name it, you will see this grip on some of those players at competing at that level. Of course, it's become synonymous with the brand of grips just about everywhere in tennis. And you might be asking yourself, is that all Turn of Tennis does? Is it just a grip? Well, not only do they have the classic Turner grip, they've got their new grips as well. They've also got strings and so much more. How can you get involved in the action? How can you learn more? You can email them by contacting sales at uniquesports.com. Of course, you let them know Cracked Racket sent you. They'll treat you like family, hook you up with three, uh, for some free samples, get you better deals on whatever it is you are looking for. Again, you can contact sales at uniquesports.com to get involved with the Turner Tennis family. You can also find Turner Grip just about everywhere you look. So again, a huge thank you to our friends at Turner for their support of this podcast. You should be using Turner Grip. If it works for my sweaty hands, I promise it'll work wonders for you. Email uh, email sales at uniquesports.com to learn more. Let them know, of course, that we here at Cracked Rackets sent you. But with all that said, enough of the plugs. You want to hear about what's happening at the Challenger level. So let's get to it. Here is another ATP Challenger-centric podcast from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Babro. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger the Podcast. Uh, I am once again joined by my friend Jakub, who's going to talk about with me about the the things that happened this week, and we're also going to preview Phoenix and the other Challengers, which we're hopefully very excited for. Obviously, Phoenix is the big story. Uh, Jakub, where do you want to start? Uh, let's do let's do Monterey first. I think Fernando sure. uh, Vertasco winning the title, uh, beating Prajnish Gunaswar on four six six three seven six. His, as far as I could find, it's only a second challenger title, right? Uh, uh, of course, the- yes, 2007 was his first. I mean, I, I was super shocked to learn that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it, it wasn't on the Wikipedia, I had to like go through his challengers, uh-huh. exactly. Yeah, uh, and yeah, he actually won Segovia 2007, beat Latsko and Kletz back to back, which I was mm, <laughs> funny to see. Uh, <laughs> in sure. challenger title winner behind Karlovic, the third longest gap. Uh, behind Federer and usually as you tweeted out uh, earlier obviously we don't have new rankings because of Indian Wells but he's he goes up 24 spots in the live rankings to number 126 uh, beat uh, Jelly uh, in the first round Kovacevic uh, Mo Christian Harrison before beating Gunesvar and how did you like Vedasco this week? I think we talked about him a bit in Tenerife last year like that, that he was yeah. definitely playing a little bit more a little bit better than what you're going to expect of a guy like this. Uh, one thing that we certainly need to look at in terms of the winner's predictions, like this week, uh, there were two uh, top seeds, top seed winners and one guy that won a final between the third seed and the second seed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we're definitely not speaking enough high seats, but I, I certainly wouldn't have expected Verdasco to win this. Uh yeah, maybe not. Maybe this is wrong. To, wrong for me to say that I wouldn't have expected this, but the quarter that he actually got into was really tough. Uh, to beat Kovacevic and Mo, I think usually that's not exactly the strongest field in the in a challenger row. Uh, but right now in this Monterey field, this was as tough as it gets. And besides Kovacevic and Mo, there was also Hijikata Blumberg, who was my pick. Uh, I guess Maxime Janvier is also among the toughest players you can get in this draw, actually. Like, Verdasco really got got through a very tough field here, at least until the semis. 
Then he played Christian Harrison, Pranesh Gunzvaran. Uh, a very wild final indeed, because I, I mean, watching it, I figured that Verdasco was just going to take it fairly comfortably. Gunzvaran broke with a really sick forehand pass. And then because of the crowd, because of everything that was happening, because of, because of the tension, everything got so close. Verdasco threw a ball out of the stadium, then he got into some disputes with the crowd. Uh, and I mean, I, I, I'm not really sure what to think about Verdasco. <laughs> he played very well during the Golden Swing, finally getting into some rallies. Uh, he was also just perfectly fine here. Uh, I mean, just in January, when we watched Verdasco in these two challengers, he was playing this all or nothing, uh, you know, get the first first forehead in or not tennis. Right now he can actually rally, which was clearly visible during this run. Uh, I don't know if he's still capable of huge things, but comparing him to Gunas Varan, you know, they're, they're all bo- they're both uh, left-handers. And I mean, it's obviously just a very weak point of comparison, uh, but you can really see the X factor in Verdasco. While Gunesvaran, uh, I mean, maybe I just watched too little of Prajnesh Gunesvaran in his prime and all, uh, but but he's just a really solid tennis player for this level. But comparing him to what Fernando Verdasco can do on the court, uh, it's just really night and day. And, and I'm, I'm very, I'm not really stunned that he won this title. And it's not like I would have picked him before the start of the week. Uh, but but it's great that he that that he did it. This was a very weak field compared to what we got in Santiago or Rosetto degli Abruzzi. Uh, there, there's no way around it, really. I think whoever was winning that first uh, that first quarter was the f- a huge favorite to win the whole event. Uh, but but as we said, I mean Fern- Fernando Verdasco last year in Tenerife he lost just to Tal Griegspor. He played very well there. Obviously, a former top ten player, and I mean, uh, he he showed it at times this week. I don't think he's gonna be back at his, you know, he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be back to his prime in in, in a, you know in a week or two or in a month or at in a year or two. Really, like at this stage, this is probably just the twilight of his career. As you said, this is he's now the second oldest charger to winner. After Ivo Karlovic, uh, all these all these records obviously are a little bit inflated towards the current period of tennis, the, the current era, because everyone is now playing a lot, uh, you know, for a lot longer time than they, than they were before. So guys like Karlovic or Jurgen and Ferrer, for the matter, are going to be earning all these records. Um, I mean, it was a lot of fun watching him this week. He certainly has that. You know, when, when you watch these, I don't know, two, 32 players in this draw, but you know, watching the whole week, you you have to say like 120 along with the qualifying draws. I mean, you you can certainly see why it was actually Fernando Verdasco who reached the top 10 and not all the other guys. So it, it was really a lot of fun seeing him compete on this, at, at this level again and do extremely well again. Yeah, I mean, to be frank, I, I was quite surprised. I thought that he was done. 
Yeah. Uh, considering what we saw from him in January with uh, that like loss to Moreno de Alboran, then lost to Kachin. Kachin. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he had a nice run in, in Tenerife, but outside of it, he he didn't really do much on the challengers. Uh, so this was really surprising I mean, for, for him to beat uh, Kovacevic and, and Mo when uh, Christian Harrison was playing all this week, all back to back. Quite impressed. So he, he he showed us that he can still do something. He's not that Gilles Simon level where he's just really just done and he's just sticking around with this ranking yeah. playing out. Uh, speaking a little bit on Gunnar Svarn, it was his uh, ninth challenger title. His record is two and seven. Yeah, yeah. This title again. I always say title instead of final. Yeah. Uh, yes, f- final. Uh, first since November 2020 in Orlando. Uh, he has now lost five finals in a row. Uh, last one in uh, Bangalore in November 2018. Uh, he moves up 46 spots to number 232. Uh, I think a little bit of an easier road maybe with uh, Ryan Harrison, uh, Rybakov, Jason Jogging, Gosueda. Uh, anything more on Gunnar Svarin that you want to say? Yeah, I think as you said, I, this was a bit of an easier road. The top half was simply a little bit stronger. Uh, the run that Verdasco had, Kovacevic, Mo, Harrison, that's significantly better than what Gunnar Svarin had. Uh, it's, you know, it's not to bring Gunnar Svarin down in any way, but I just, I just think there was like a really... Uh, again, I... I, I the one who came out of the top quarter was just going to be a huge favorite to win this title. And Ferdasco capitalized on that. Not that it was easy in the final, like not at all. Uh, I, I think Prashnes Gunasvaran, as as I said before, I, I probably just did, never really watched him enough in his prime. But this yeah. was one of the weakest events of the of the year so far. Um, some other guys in here, Christian Harrison reaching the semifinals, which was, uh, I, I think, very good for him. He obviously had that massive run in, in Delray Beach yep. uh, begin last season. And then it sort of, I mean, he, he had some nice runs after that, but it didn't really materialize into what I into what I thought it was going to materialize into and him being more of a regular uh, fixture on the Challenger Tour. His uh, first Challenger semifinals since Orlando. Uh, last year, uh, he beat uh, Shimabukuro, uh, Tomic, uh, Blancano. And speaking of Tomic, I actually wanted to uh, ask you, quiz you a little bit. Yes. Tomic won a match, uh, beating Cedric Mastoshtebe uh, in the first round. I wanted to ask you, do you remember when Tomic last won a match on the Challenger Tour and who he beat? Now on the Challenger Tour, I have no clue. Like, I think he won a, a match at Wimbledon Qualies last year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I am pretty sure that's right, but in terms of actually winning a match on the Challenger Tour, I'm, I, honestly, I think it's just gonna beat me at this. Like I I've got no clue. Uh, I I as I said, I mean, I remember him winning matches last year, Wimbledon probably. So because you're asking, I would assume that it's gonna be like I don't know, 2020 or or is it no? No, it was it was actually it was actually April 2021, uh, so almost a full year. It was okay. in Rome. Beat uh, Ruben Bemelmans on clay. I just wanted to mention yeah. because it's so bizarre to me. Um. <laughs> would never would never have guessed that, obviously. But yeah, I mean, he he was struggling for a while there. I still think that if he commits to playing a full schedule, there's some real chances that maybe. Obviously, he was saying some stuff like to top 10 or I don't know, even top 100. 
This just this just seems unrealistic. But if he actually commits to a full schedule, he can still play at a very good level, and he definitely proved that with his win over um, Cedric Marcesteba. Yes, of course. Like that that was a very good match, and it was super entertaining to follow. Uh, I, even the loss to Harrison, like oh, it, it's pretty clear that Tomic still has that level to compete at the challengers, probably even win every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the other semifinals was Gosoeda, uh, who was in here with the protecting ranking. I was yeah. so confused. He has not had a big gap in, in playing. Uh, if you're if you don't know what it is, I mean, there's like um, after the pandemic broke out let's say uh there was this new rule that if you're not playing for a month i believe and it, it is because of covid rules i'm not sure how it looks like i i'd have to look it up in the rule book mm-hmm. i i can't exactly i can't remember the you know the exact phrasing of this exactly but if you were not playing for like a month you could get a protected ranking if, if the reasons for your uh, for you not appearing in the finals where visa restrictions or something like this. Like, the, there's that new rule that uh, that works. Yeah. And uh, Vertasco even had a protected ranking. Like, I think he's actually using a protected ranking to get into Phoenix next, next week. So uh, uh, okay. that that's why he that's why he has it as well. Like, the, there's plenty of players right now who didn't actually have a huge gap in terms of uh, when they appeared at tournaments, it just that 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 uh, exactly that that new uh, idea that the ATP had in order to counteract the pandemic. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I, I was wondering because the the most I could find is probably the the month cap. It was like uh, January to March in 2021. So so that was probably what it yeah. was. Did that walkover? Uh, yeah, for for Soda, uh, his first semifinals since August 2019. So since before the pandemic, uh, he beat uh, Viktor Durasovic, uh, Juan Pablo Fikovic, Ulysses Blanche, all in three sets before losing uh, to Gunesvara in six for the third. Uh, any thoughts on Soda? Uh, I mean, as I said, I was pretty surprised by this. Like the, the this field just really didn't. You can't really compare it to anything we've seen on the track no. tour this year. I believe. Is this a bizarre thing where where it is the the highest? I mean, the, the winner got a hundred points here, uh, but it was yeah. so far the weakest field. It was it, it was almost the level of a, of a fifty with a couple of guys thrown yeah. in there. I mean, um, only the first quarter was anything we've seen. Like anyone out of Verdasco, Kovacevic, Blamberg, Hijikata, Mo. I had Blamberg as the winner pick, which was probably a fairly bit stupid. Uh, <laughs> but I also didn't really know where he would, where he was going to land in terms yeah. of the qualifying throw. Like if he played Jung or if he played, uh, who's the other? Yeah, if he played Malish Kosu, like he he would actually have had a pretty decent chance at a big round. Uh, who was your pick? Jay Clark, right? Jay Clark, yeah, lost in the second round to Blanche. Yeah. I I just picked the guy out of a hat, really. Uh, I had no idea. I mean, Verdasco would have been... I mean, Still, Richard's I mean, pick. neither I of us would have picked Verdasco to win this. Yeah. Let, let's uh, be honest. I mean, this, this guy was just barely winning matches at challenger level for the past six yeah. months or something. A couple more questions to mention. Uh, I, I, I think you name checked in there. Milic Kosu, we talked about yeah. him. He 
loves these Mexican wildcards. Didn't get one into doubles uh, this this time, but he got into singles, won three games against Evan Zhu. And then also uh, Tommy Robredo made his season debut, um, beating uh, Kaichi Uchida, who made a little bit of a splash by winning Rio at the end of last season. Uh, when was his last challenger win, uh, Tommy Robredo? Tommy Robredo. Uh, Jesus, you're asking me such tough questions. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really have no clue. Like, I, I remember Robredo playing last year in Barcelona. With, he didn't actually win a match. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure about it because he lost to um, Kuzmanov. But he definitely won one in uh, Antalya. Yes, that, that that's that's the last one. That That's the semi-final run in Antalya. And he, in he, uh, let, let me, yeah, I think... I, I can recall him playing Duya Aydukovic. Yes, that, that that's the one. That was his last win. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember that uh, the Antalya challenger in January last year was this one where Lorenzi and uh, Robredo both made good runs. And this was like the last time we saw him play at this level. I think Aydukovic actually beat Lorenzi in a tight match and then he lost to Robredo. But, but still, I mean, honestly... Um, both of them Lorenzi has already retired at the US Open last year but uh, Robredo he's being very vague about it in terms of what I heard at at his interviews at his uh, post-match press conferences but it looks like he's going to retire in Barcelona this year uh, I mean, it's probably the right call. It's probably the right moment for him to do it. Yeah, I mean, he 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 turns forty this year. The ranking's not there anymore to to keep him. Yeah, uh, he's now three hundred and sixty. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was an impressive win over over Uchida, and he he was for really sure. quite quite bad. Well, I mean, he, he was bad against Kuzman of one game. Um, he he pushed Tomasz Machac to ten eight in the third in Wimbledon qualifying last yes. year. That, that's bizarre. I completely forgot about that. The win yeah, over that... Uchida was so good as well. Like, honestly, I did not expect it at all. Uh, he was really taking the ball early. Just whatever you want to see from Robredo. Like, this was really a vintage performance. As as vintage as you can get at this point. Let's be, let's say that. I mean, I, I, I was super surprised to get this. And um, Tommy Robredo is always a win. Like Tommy Robredo playing uh, good tennis is just fantastic to watch. Uh, I I did get to see him a few times. Maybe I will leave this for uh, for the episode where we're actually gonna discuss him when he retires because we're surely gonna get gonna do like a little segment of him. Just say some you know, some memories, some stories that we actually have of this guy playing, but. I mean, whenever he plays, it's it's always a pleasure to watch. Uh, and the, the win over Uchida was really amazing. It's not like Uchida is obviously going to be like a huge favorite for this for this event or something. Uh, but with the form that Roberto had, as you said, I mean, Antalya 2021 was his last challenger win. Probably his last win whatsoever, right? Um, hold on, let me let me check this. I I, I think so. Like. Did he win anything after that? Probably not, right? I'm sure he won something this year because he played UTRs. But oh wait, I I was actually wrong. Antalya Challenger was not his last win. I, I wrote down the wrong thing. It was, it was Gran Canaria. Okay, so I got the trivia question <laughs> right, but it turns out that it was actually wrong. So what, what was his last Challenger win? 
uh, it was against Nino Sedarusic at the Grand Canaria Challenger, and that was his last win overall. That's pretty uh, impressive, I guess. I mean, Sedarusic played yeah, very well last year. Six four. Um, six so. love six four. Over over Sedarusic, yeah, in in February last year. Okay, uh, but before that it was Antale, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I count that as a moral victory for me. I'm. It was pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyhow, I mean, Tommy Robredo really, uh, he's probably going to play like three or four more events. But mm. in, in Monterey against Kaichi Uchida, he played like really well. I, I'm surprised by this. I am very happy to see it as well. I, I hope he's going to play until forever, honestly. <laughs> he's just so fun when he's actually, well, when he wants to do it, when he when you can see that he still has the passion. And I'm not saying he doesn't, but when it's obvious that when, when, an, older, uh, when an older guy who used to be, I don't know, top 10, in, in Robredo's case, he used to be like the award number five, right? But in, in anything, like uh, whoever, I mean, let's just say that an, an older tennis player who used to be in the top 20, uh, sometimes when he's playing a challenger event and barely winning games, you can actually see that he's just struggling out there on the court. And Robredo seems like he's always having fun out there. And uh, I just love to see him actually do well. And this was, as you said, the, the first time in a while that he actually threatened to win a match. He did it. And against a very competitive player on hard courts. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we move on to Santiago? Yeah, I think we can, yeah. Yes, Santiago, where Hugo Deyen uh, won the title over our pick, uh, Alejandro Tabilo. We both picked him. 6 3 yep. 4 6 4. His eighth challenger title. Quite impressive. 8 and 4 in, in finals on the challenger tour. He moves up uh, just three spots uh, in the live rankings. Uh, but he's now number 98, which would put, put him back in the top 100. Uh, it, it was it was sort of a rocky road, a very rocky beginning for for Dayen, uh, where to save a match point against uh, Pedro Cachin in the first round. Uh, it was a two six seven six six one, one of those uh, score lines. Then beat uh, Renzo Olivo, Jesper De Jong, uh, Tomas Martin Echeverri, uh, and then of course uh, Alejandro Tabilo to win the title. How did you like Dayen this week? Yes, yeah, I mean he saved the match point against Dayen. Which is actually against uh, Kachin, which is actually very funny because last week he played Davis Cup and he wasted a match point against Varias. <laughs> so he kind of went from the from heaven to hell in in like a week or even less actually because it was the weekend and then the beginning of the week. Uh, someone even told me I actually didn't see the match against Varias in DC. Uh, someone told me that he had a smash in this point, which is pretty <laughs> crazy. Um, I honestly, I love watching Hugo Delian play on clay. The guy is, the guy just keeps proving that even without a significant weapon, you can still build up points beautifully. His point construction is just insane. Uh, I, I, I love watching this guy play on clay courts, honestly. Like he, he's just so faster on the court, that's one thing. But at the same time, he just whenever whenever his opponent leaves him the chance to uh, dictate the play, he is actually so good at this. Just moving the ball around the court, 
keeping the opponent on the back foot, even without a, a huge power strike like Echeverri's forehand was, or in the final, Tabilo's forehand was. Uh, these guys actually play a, a completely different style with a huge weapon. And Dalian, obviously, his, his, uh, his fast movement, his counter-punching helps a lot. But he's also able to defeat these guys just in that in that in that sense that he that he's playing longer rallies with them, but keeping keeping himself in the you know, in the front seat. And I, I love to see it. Uh, I definitely didn't expect him winning this final. As you said, it was just one point. You know, if one point had been played differently, he would be out. He would have been out of this tournament in the first round. Which is pretty crazy if you think about this, but this is this is a guy that's going to win a lot more challengers probably. I think he's already won eight, right? This was his eighth. Yeah, eight. Yeah, and he's twenty-eight. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it's an interesting season for for Dayen where he had that kind of strong start, uh, two semifinals in in Concepcion and Santa Cruz, uh, skipped Australia, then in the Golden Swing on on the main tour he kind of. I don't want to see struggle, but it was very middling where, you know, he, he loses to Galan, qualifies for Buenos Aires, but loses to Vedasco, loses to Ketsmanovic in Rio, uh, beats Lama, loses to Bagnis. It, it was very meh, I think, and that's why I, I didn't really see him as one of the favorites for the title here. Uh, but, well, proved me wrong, that's for sure. Um, as for Tabilo, his, uh, this was his fourth challenger title, record is one and three. Uh, moves up five spots, number 91, which is his new career high ranking, if if he holds up there uh, until Indian Wells is over. Uh, he uh, had a bit of an easy road, I think, maybe. Um, well, Varias was, wasn't easy, yeah. but uh, to, to start, he had he had Nunez and, and Lama, uh, then a three-setter against Vít Kopšiva, and then beat Varias to get to the final. Uh, what did you think for what did you think about uh, Tabilo? Yeah, until the semis, I think you're absolutely right that he had a bit of an easy route. Uh, Tabilo has been pretty poor in terms of finishing these weeks. Like we we saw the same at the Golden Swing. Uh, was it like uh, Cordoba Cordoba. final and Santiago semis, right? Uh, yes, correct. As you, as you guys probably know at this point, I mean, I'm always mixing up these cities when they're on the same <laughs> continent or in the same country, but I think I'm right this time. Uh, and especially in Cordoba, it was definitely his mental performance that didn't allow him to grab that first ATP title against uh, Ramos Vinolas. He was leading 4-1 with two breaks. Uh, then again, uh, Santiago, it was also it also felt like his title to win. So I guess this is a bit of a worrying factor that uh, once he gets to these spots where he can win tournaments, it's just really hard for him to convert. Yes, yeah. I also want to mention uh, Tomas Martin Echeverri, who had a nice run here to the semifinals, uh, beat Evan Furness, uh, Camilo Gukarabe, and Yiji Lehechka in the quarterfinals before losing in a very competitive match to to Dayen. Uh, I sort of felt like he struggled uh, this year, where he he got injured in, in Santa Cruz, and then the gold swing was uh, certainly not ideal. Uh, yeah, do, do you feel like Echeverri is now is now back? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. I mean, I uh, I did have this sort of 
line of thinking that maybe he just enjoys uh, a more frequent match rhythm than what he has right now. Because last year, he obviously made 15 challenger quarterfinals, which was like an insane achievement. Uh, and Yeah, exactly. And I mean, what I thought of was maybe that if he actually got this much playtime, maybe that's where his forehand started excelling. Because right now, I don't think it's as dangerous as it was last year. But uh, as you said, I mean, the, the match against Dalian was certainly a good sign. Uh, even if I didn't think... Uh, Echeverry was quite at the level he was last year. Uh, the, the semi against Dalian, I mean, it, it, it really could have gone both ways. And that's that's a very good sign for the guy. Uh, I still think he's playing like around the top 100-ish level and probably going to just, you know, reach that milestone. In If he plays like he did last year, he's going to reach that milestone in no time, really. All right, should we go to uh, Italy in Rosetto degli Abruzzi? Yes, uh, of course. Where, uh, Carlos Tabener, uh, top seed, uh, took the title 6-2-6-3 over your pick, Nuno Borges. Uh, Tabener's fifth challenger title. He has now won four straight finals. One of them was a walkover, but he's he's been the winner in, in the last four. Um, he moves up 11 spots to number 94, uh, which in the live rankings puts him in the top 100 for the first time since November. Uh, his run here in Italy, uh, he beat Lorenzo Giustino, uh, Josef Kovali, Carlos Jimeno Valer, and Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo. How did you like Tabene? Did we underrate him? Neither of us picked him to win it. <laughs> Fair point. I mean, as I said, perhaps we should be picking more top seats. Uh, Picking top seeds is boring, though. Well, like we're never gonna, you know, do that on a regular basis. Uh, but Tabernet is just sort of like the, there were a few people texting about texting me about Tabernet this week, and my response to her is the same. Like, I I'm honestly not sure what to say or write about this guy. <laughs> He's just there. He's extremely solid. Like he was just insanely good this year. Th- this week. But it's not like you can actually, uh, like, what are you going to say about him? <laughs> it's it's not critique. What I'm what I'm saying right now is definitely not critique. How are you actually going to describe what he did this week? There, there's been a few mammoth uh, sets that he won. He didn't drop a set all week, and yet mm-hmm. there were these ones against Kovalik, especially the first one where it it took over ninety minutes. Uh, for him to claim the opening set. Uh, against Sanchez Izquierdo, it was also very competitive. Sanchez Izquierdo re- led like 5-2 in the in the second set. I mean, it, it was just so solid. It had this, not sure how to call it, but let's say the aura of inevitability regarding mm-hmm. his run, that he was just always going to be at least alive during the weekend. And I, I guess that's a great thing. Last year, he won three challenger events. Right now, he's already won. Uh, it's clear that in this, I don't know, 80, 100 ranking range, he, he really belongs there. And I, as much as, obviously, I'm a fan of attacking tennis, uh, and for that reason, I would have preferred Nuno to, <laughs> to win this. Obviously, I would have also preferred him to win because of our predictions competition. <laughs> We're right now still tied at 1-1. Uh, 
but but I truly thought that Tabernet played much better tennis in terms of like when you're when you're looking at the whole week that we've had in Rosetto Dalia Bruzzi, uh Borges was just all over the place. Yes, yeah. So Nuno Borges' fourth challenger title, uh, title uh, final. I, I was final. Fourth challenger final, one in three in the finals. Um, yeah, as you said, bit of a bit of all over the place this week. But uh, in the live rankings, he does break top one fifty for the first time, which is obviously huge for him. Um, some other guys to mention: Sanchez Izquierdo, uh, really, really big week for him to to qualify and and reach the semifinals. Um, he beat uh, Nedunchejian and Ayupovic to qualify, and then Maya Sterli. Then my pick, uh, Benabeza Batamiraes, uh, for the title, defeated him in the second round. And then Lukas, also a bit of a surprise quarterfinalist here, I think. Uh, Sanchez Izquierdo took him out as well. So uh, for Sanchez Izquierdo, it is only a second ever challenger semifinal. Uh, and he now moves up to a new career high ranking of 265. Uh, there's also uh, in Rosetto Delia Bruzzi, the doubles title was won by Jan Zielinski and Ugones, which I think is a pretty interesting yeah, on, pairing. Yeah, on a funny point, uh, on match point. Did, did, did you see that? Come again? Ah, yeah, the, the one in the first round against Maestrelli and Pirino, yes. Uh, yeah, Nis, I think it was Nis, right? Who uh, touched the ball on the opponent's side of the net. Obviously, normally you're not supposed to do that. But when the ball bounces back to their side, you can actually win the point yeah. like this. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. And I mean, they, they won the title in their first event together. It's not going to be like a one-time pairing, even oh. though soon you're going to see them playing with different partners, probably in like Monte I, I actually believe that Ness is playing Monte Carlo or Zielinski is playing a different one that week. But they actually want to play together for a few events. Zielinski uh, apparently decided to, <laughs> I don't want to say give up on Valkov, <laughs> but I mean so, something like this. Zielinski uh, wants to play with Ness. And it, it was actually Ugones who decided to talk to Zielinski after they played the Mets final last year. The ATP 215 match, uh, where Zielinski and Hurkacz won against Nis, and I am blanking right now. Who? Rinderknecht. Rinderknecht? Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that was the. Zielinski said that Nis uh, gave him his uh, phone number after this match, and that he said that if he ever wants to play doubles with, you know, if, he ever, if he's ever looking for a partner, uh, I mean, the, the, he can just call him. And that's apparently what happened. And when they can get to a tournament together, they're going to play uh, with each other for the next, like, you know, a few, for, for the next few months at least, uh, depending on how it goes. All right, should we go to match and upset of the week? Yeah, of course. Sure. Uh, do you want me to start? Yes. Uh, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll go with my match of the week. Uh, I'm picking uh, Ugo Delian over Tomas Martin Echeverri, 6-3, 6-7, 6-4 in the semifinals in three hours and 19 minutes. Uh, I felt like it was very high-quality clay court tennis. Um, I, I love it when these guys just have to grind it out. I love it when they have to sometimes, you know, get creative and, and find ways to end the points on clay. Um so yeah, very, very, very exciting match. Um, very fun to watch. 
What would you like to, what do you have as your match of the week? Who do I have as my match of the week? This was certainly something that I considered. Uh, like I'm, I'm really sure that this was among the best matches I thought uh, I watched this week. And I think I'm just gonna, I feel like in the, in the past few weeks, we, we definitely did go for a few of the same ones. Mm-hmm. And I guess I might just go the same one again. Like, like Verdasco Gunasvara in the final in Monterrey was pretty good. But I, I believe this was only like this leaves very you know, just rent free in my mind only because of the ending. While Delian Echeverry, this was actually just so good from start to finish. Nice. And for my episode of the week, I've I, I felt like there were a couple of nice options. Um, uh-huh. I have picked Sanchez Izquierdo over Zapata Miraes. I mean, uh, Zapata Miraes, it was quite misguided, I guess, of me to, to pick him to, to win this uh, with basically his, his form this year being very middling. Uh, but either way, I, I did not see Sanchez Izquierdo coming out of the woodwork uh, to, to pull that one off. Uh, yes, who have you gone mm. for? I think I'm going to go with Robredo over Uchida. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see for the bookies, it was either this one or Stebe, Tomic over Stebe. Uh, I feel like we never really got enough sample size on Tomic, uh, considering he only played one match this year <laughs> against Safiulin, the Australian Open qualities. This was, uh, this was also the one where uh, he tried to Con- convince Mariana Valjovic to make a bet with him <laughs> that he will make a, 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 no, no, that he will test positive for the uh, for COVID nineteen in the next three days. He obviously did after that. Uh, so I, I never really felt like he, uh, you know, we we got enough sample size for him this year. It's not like he was doing well in 2021 or 2020. Neither was Robredo. But I just feel like at this stage of his career, uh, Tommy Robredo's win, perhaps not even the fact that he defeated Uchida, but the sheer manner in, in which he did, the, mm. the, the the quality of tennis that he actually performed was just insane to see. So watching Tommy Robredo uh, play well is just always a win. Uh, so before we go to the previous, there's also one thing that I learned last night that we should mention. Uh, and it's the fact that Igor Marconda is not playing since, uh, what was the name of the Brazilian challenger he won this year? Blumeno? Or, or was that last year? Blumeno, I think. I should know this. Uh, Blumeno, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Igor Marconda is not playing since Blumeno was not, not actually not accidental. He's going to get banned for the second time uh, for a doping violation. Uh, apparently he was he, he was already banned for nine months in 2018 so now yeah. as a repeat of under he gets three years uh he didn't actually test positive but he was like on on three separate occasions in 2021 uh the authorities the i'm not sure the idea for whatever uh they couldn't lo- locate him <laughs> uh when he was supposed to you know, take take a test so i, I guess it's pretty oh, obvious wow. I guess it's pretty obvious what he, <laughs> what the reason was, uh, especially as the guy is a, is a repeat offender after all. It's just such a shame because he was in such good form recently. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, in, in tennis doping country, grunchy form. So uh, I'm assuming that it wasn't just all that. 
a one-two challengers, you know, carry high, carry high ranking, and he's gonna be back, or if he wants to, um, March two thousand twenty-five. Yeah, wow, that's a real, you know, really pumps the brakes <laughs> on his whole rise that he said. Um, yeah, yeah, another way no Desnik, but <laughs> in terms of the length of the band, but he's gonna be twenty-seven. Uh, but you know, just really a shame that he's done it again for like you know, what was he even what was he even for hoping to achieve honestly uh, but he's gonna remain unbeaten in 2022 so uh if that's what he was aiming at good job you gotta work on this yeah yeah let's go to let's go to the previous then we've got like an, uh, the most interesting challenger of the year ahead of us and it's actually also uh, a, a quick disclaimer uh, that we're recording this on Tuesday morning because the Phoenix draw was so late uh, compared mm-hmm. to other chargers. They had to wait for Indian Wells results. So uh, not in Phoenix. In Phoenix, we only have one round of qualies played out. But in Concepcion and Rosetto Daria Brutti, we'll have some first of matches already. Uh, maybe yeah. it will help our picks, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we do need the help because we're still tied yeah. in one one. Uh, it's mid-March. We really need to get going on these things. We need to, we need to start hitting something. Uh, and hopefully it will start in Phoenix where the top seed is Benoit Pair uh, playing a qualifier. The winner of that face is Oscar Ota or Rado Albot. Uh, then we've got Emil Rusuvori playing wildcard Brandon Nakashima. That's how strong this draw is. <laughs> Nakashima needed a wildcard to get in, even now. Uh, winner faces Alexander Vokijo Daniel Altmaier. Uh, then we have a section with uh, Akto Rinderknecht uh, playing Francisco Serundolo. Winner faces Liam Brody or Juan Manuel Serundolo. So we have a potential Serundolo derby there, uh, though I think maybe unlikely. Yeah, <laughs> not on hard cards, yeah. Uh, then we've got uh, eight seed David Kofan uh, playing a qualifier. Winner faces wildcard Christopher Eubanks or a qualifier. Third section is fourth seed Yelenaj Struf. Facing a qualifier, winner faces Denis Kudla or a qualifier. Uh, then also in the section is Sebastian Baez playing Facundo Bagnis. Winner faces Roberto Carabaez Baena or Richard Gasquet. In the final section, we have a crack over first round between Lorenzo Musetti, the second seed, and Alexei Popirin. Winner faces wildcard JJ Wolf or a qualifier. And then uh, sixth seed Hugo Gaston playing Camille Michaeljak. Winner faces Marco Cecchinato or Fernando Verdasco, who just won in Monterrey. Uh, in qualifying, everybody's so strong. There's Mats Morang, uh, Mitchell Kruger, Gilles Simon, Tomasz Machac, Kovacevic, Kukushkin, Sandgren, Nava, both, just so many, so many names. And that's already after some of them were taken out <laughs> in the first qualifying round. Uh, yeah, how, how do you like this draw? Probably the strongest draw that we're going to see this year. Oh yeah, it's probably the, the strongest draw that we've ever seen. Uh, the the 2019 Phoenix Challenger was insane as well. This is just the second edition of this of this event. Obviously, it has uh, is you know it's it's so great because people who lost early in Indian Wells uh, get here. Uh, we've got 18 top 100 players, I believe, uh, which is yeah. just ridiculous. Ma- makes this like a very uh, a very tough challenger to pick out a winner out of. I mean, I, I said last night when we were recording the previous part that 
uh, we should probably start speaking top seeds more because of what happened last week. But I don't think I'm going to go with Benoit Paire here. Uh, we, we should also mention that in doubles, there's Nikola Mektic and Matepavic playing, world oh, number yes. one and the world number two, which, I mean, has to be a first in Challenger history. I haven't seen anyone. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I'm convinced that it has to be, uh, I, unless the Brand brothers maybe play the Challenger at some point. I think that's possible. Possible, uh, I guess. I, 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 I would have to, sorry? Uh, I know, I just said it's possible, oh, I guess. Okay. But I mean, we yeah, just... I mean, I, I, it, um, I can't remember exactly, but I do have a feeling that they played together at the Challenger at some point during the their number mm-hmm. one reign. Interesting. But yeah, this this doubles draw is amazing. It's it's Mekic Pavic, then second seed, uh, Nicolas Mahmoud and Fabrice Martin. These are guys that we don't get to see on, on uh, the Challenger circuit anymore. I mean, you have you have Blumberg and Max Schnur only in as wild cards and they're one of the best challenger tour pairings that, that that we've had this year so really both draws just incredibly stacked i'm so excited for for phoenix this week it's going to be quite something i hope that my pick goes deep uh that i'm yet to reveal but yeah <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna go with uh Rinderneich maybe i mean he lost in the first round to bonzi at indian wells uh, but I just like the draw, potentially playing the Serendolos or Serendolo and then Brody. Then it's just mm-hmm. two qualifiers or Eubanks, uh, or Eubanks or Kofan. Honestly, in in the qualities, there's so, so many strong names as well that maybe the qualifiers aren't going to be easy either. But this, this just looks sort of right to me. My The other thing I had in mind was probably going for someone like Wolf even, but that's probably a little bit too wild. Even though in Indian was he did very well, probably should have beaten, definitely should have beaten Roberto Bautista. Good. I mean, he serves for the match. Um, yeah, I think think he said there's definitely somebody considered uh, because of that early draw there um, with 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 Francisco Sandoval. However, I've gone a different direction, potentially tricky because um, I'm 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 actually I haven't checked the odds, but I'm not certain that this guy is a favorite to win his first round. Mm-hmm. But I've gone for Brandon Nakashima. Um, it's you know his his year has been sort of stuttering this year. It's you know it's five and six, not brilliant. Uh, after making the quarterfinals in Sydney, it's kind of been not great. So I feel like this this <laughs> it's hard to see drop down to the challenger level because it is a drop down in stature, but the the draw is incredibly difficult. Uh, but I think either way, with with how dominant he was uh, on the challengers at the end of the year, uh, I'm I'm sure that he can be a dangerous player, uh, especially the, the section. I kind of like it. Rusuvori outside of uh, Poon hasn't really done much, I guess. It's, he's been, you know, well, made, made a semifinal at 250. I forgot about that. Um, but still, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting behind this pick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm taking Nakashima. Right. Uh, I don't know if I would go for this because of the, the form, because of what you mentioned, but I guess. I guess it can work. Uh, from what I see, the Bryans played their last challenger in 2002 and they were still ranked 17. Um, okay. In I believe in uh, singles, we've had uh, one top 100, uh, top 10 player, uh, Rainer Schüttler, playing uh, a challenger once. Uh, I think it was Braunschweig, Braunschweig. And he withdrew after one match. 
So I, I believe the number one and number two is unprecedented, but I've never seen a stat of like the, the highest ranked doubles players to compete in the challengers. So uh, it could be just totally wrong, but I mean, how often can it happen? I don't even know, like, because in singles, if you're in the top 50, you need to ask for a wild card uh, to play a challenger, like pre-approved by the ATP. And I, I just don't know if there's any rule for doubles, probably not as they're normally seated. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it. Um, since there are like three pairings here, pretty much, that would need a, a wild card uh, to, to get in. So, so I think the doubles yeah. is more of a, a free for all <laughs> in this sense. Yeah, he, they, uh, they also signed up like in sites, uh, not, uh, no, not on the, in the original entry list. Obviously, this mm-hmm. was a little bit of a shock that Mike Tijipavich <laughs> are playing a challenger. Yeah, so we are going with uh, Nakashima. Uh, and I I did uh, look at the odds a second ago, and he's even with Rusevori, uh, which I guess is reasonably fair, given his poor form of late. Yeah, you know, I mean, he leads the head-to-head for all it's worth. Uh, but I think that we can move on to Concepcion. Yep. Uh, Concepcion, where top seed Hugo Dayen, champion last week, plays qualifier Daniel Dutra da Silva. It's yeah, it's not great that we have some matches played, but but it's nice to have the qualifiers. I guess mm-hmm. uh, yeah. maybe their seventh meeting, by the way, which is which is quite interesting. They had to have three and three with first match dating back to 2012. Uh, so the winner of that will face Paul Jubb, who defeated Genaro Alberto Olivieri. In the first round, then we have Vít Kopšiva, sixth seed, playing Evan Furness. The winner will face uh, Chego Agustin Tirante, who beat Daniel Antonio Nunez in the first round. Second section, we have Nicolas Jari playing Gonzalo Villanueva. Winner faces Pedro Cachin or Mateus Puccinelli de, de Almeida. Uh, then we've got Tomás Barrios Vera playing Facundo Juárez. Winner faces Goncalo uh, Oliveira or Corentin Denoli. Third section, Tomas Martin Echeverri uh, plays Diego Fernandez Flores. Uh, the winner will face Gonzalo, uh, Gonzalo Lama, who beat Gonzalo Bueno in the first round. Uh, we also have Camilo Gucarabey, who beat Gerald Meltzer in the first round, uh, and he will face either Steven Diaz or Juan Bautista Torres. Final section, uh, second seed, Juan Pablo Varias plays Santiago Rodriguez de Verna. Winner faces Andrea Coyarini or Nicolas Kiker. Uh, and Facundo Mena plays Hernan Casanova. Winner faces Jesper de Jong or Renzo Olivo. Who do you like here in Concepcion? Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't want to pick guys like Varias because he's playing Rodriguez Taverna in the first round. Uh, going back to back weeks is also pretty tough, usually. Um, one qualifier that really stands out to me, and I don't think we mentioned him when we were talking about Santiago yesterday, uh, is Juan Bautista Torres. This guy is playing like some some seriously good tennis right now. Nineteen year old as well. Uh, you know, there's just so so many of these Argentinians. And when we saw him last year, he was like very only pretty much only counter punching even though the final blumen of this year which actually ties into uh ties into what marcondes what we were talking about with marcondes he led by a set and a break right and then just totally crumbled mentally uh faced with the with the crowd with uh, with marcondes playing uh, uh starting to play a, a tiny bit better uh i i think this guy could really like go on a run in the challenger soon again but is it going to be here 
it has a pretty easy first round on Steve with how Steven Diaz has played recently, but then Hugo Carabelli, potentially Echeverry, that just, that just sounds really tough. Uh, but one of these guys is going to be my pick and is going to be Echeverry. Wouldn't be surprised if we if we get the same one again. Uh, there's a potential quarterfinal against a guy like Hugo Carabelli or, or Torres for the matter, who, who doesn't even have to be that much easier looming than, than maybe someone like Varias. But as I said, Varias is playing Rodriguez Taverna, which is like the, the match of the round, probably. And I just don't think that, I mean, Echeverry wasn't really great in the Golden Swing, but was still winning a match in every event, like almost every event. I think average, uh, he averaged one or one match or one match and something. Uh, he played very well last week. We had that uh, three hour and 30 minutes clash with Dalian that I think we both picked as a match of the week. So uh, uh, potentially maybe he just really likes match rhythm. Which is something I can, uh, I think maybe his curry results have, have shown uh, that last year when he was just making that quarterfinal after quarterfinal, that's when he was playing his best and maybe just playing a lot in, you know, in, in recent times, in recent times in the past week. And, and this one uh, would really help him to tune in the forehand even more. Yeah, uh, Echeverri is a great pick, uh, especially because I'm also picking him. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love to pick this guy. <laughs> I picked him a lot last week. I, I really like the early draw with, with Fernandez Flores and then Lama. Uh, as you said, uh, Batista Torres, Hugo uh, Carabey can be dangerous in the quarterfinal stage. It ultimately came down to the top three, the top three seats for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, day in, I felt like it was very pickable, but once again, it's back to back weeks. It's, it's, it's tricky. We might be kicking ourselves for not picking him once again. Um, and then for for, for Varias, I mean, yeah, Rodriguez Taverna is dangerous, but he 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 was just so bad. He yeah. lost to Oliveira two and one. He was uh, one of my favorites for the upset of the week, but I ended up going in a different direction. Uh, so yeah, Varias I also consider very strongly, but. Ultimately, I love picking Echeverri. I, I I do enjoy watching him a lot. So um, yeah, my my pick as well for Concepcion. This is quite interesting. Rodriguez Taverna has like you know his his winless record for the year is nine four. He literally won the first nine matches and lost the next four. <laughs> that is that is quite funny. Yeah, I, I was looking at it. he didn't really take a bad loss before the the Oliveira one. It was you know losing to Milojevic, losing to Dejan. Uh, yeah, I think Milojevic yeah. was a little, like a little disappointing because after yeah. how well he played in the in the first three events he, this year, uh, it's not like I was expecting him to win this easily, but this just felt like a very great chance. But yeah, the the, the match against Oliveira was just that awful. Yeah. Yes. So should we go to Rosetta degli Abruzzi too? Absolutely. Yes. So we have top seed Irji Veseli playing Nino Sedarusic. Uh, the winner will play Flavio Coboli, who beat Federico Gallo in the first round. Then we have uh, Gastel Eliash, who beat out Benapesa Zapata Miraes, who was the fifth seed, while he got a retirement in the second set. Uh, and will play one of Timofei Skatov or Andrea Del Federico. Second section, uh, we have Carlos Tabener, the third seed, playing Giulio Cepieri. Winner faces Kimmer Kopians or Carlos Jimeno Valero. 
then we've got Chun Xin Teng, uh, the eighth seed beating up Matthias Borg, and we'll play uh, either Franco Agamelone or Lorenzo Giustino, who are apparently uh, didn't finish their match yesterday. They, they're tied in one set all uh, heading into today. Third section, uh, we have six seed Nikola Milojevic playing Manuel Ginat. Um, playing, uh, the, the winner plays either Braden Schner or Alexis Gauthier. Uh, we must have had a withdrawal because there's lucky loser Robin Hasse uh, playing Lu, uh, qualifier Louis Wessels uh, in the first round. Winner faces either Josef Kovalik or Nuno Borges, which I think that, that's a great first round to watch. Uh, seems pretty fun. Final section, we have second seed Gianluca Mager uh, playing Andrea Pellegrino. Winner faces Alessandro Genesi or Nicolas Alvarez Varona. And then we have, uh, you know, my favorite seventh seed Andre Martin playing Jean Borpiros. <laughs> uh, winner faces uh, either Andrea Vavasori or Luciana Darderi. Uh, yes. So, who do you like in this draw? Who who stands out to you? Yeah, Hase dropped out instead of. Uh, I mean, uh, Hase is there because Mute. Yeah, yeah. Mute dropped out. Um, it's actually pretty weird that Mute is not in the states. He's not playing right now as well. Uh, mm. He's signed up for for more clinical challengers in the in the weeks to come. Uh, he's injured or something. Let's spare a thought for Federico Gallo, who's now 0-7 for the year. I think it was like his 10th in a row. Like the, the breakdown that he had, 11th loss in a row. And only one, two sets in this. Yeah, it, it's been really rough. It's really hard to imagine for a guy who's been on the Challenger to winning matches for years. Obviously, every time it's like, you know, the, the win-loss records are usually close to 50 50-50. Uh, like it's not like he's been setting the world on fire, but it's just, just not something we're used to. Um, in terms of the winner picks, Vasily on clay, we definitely had his issue, <laughs> had some issues with this. Uh, we had this discussion a fair bit few times. Um, he used to be good, very good on clay, probably isn't anymore. Obviously, still has a very high peak potential. Looking at what he did in Dubai. Um, Taberder going back to back is certainly possible. He's defeated some of these players, like Jimeno Valero, that he can play. Uh, so, so I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily exclude it, but I, I, I think it's unlikely as usual. Andre Martin, Jean Borpiros, I'm sorry, but I don't think I don't think Andre Martin has a big chance to win this. Uh, basically, I'm looking at two guys because I really don't want to pick Vesely. One of them is Gianluca Magar, who did, obviously did very well and uh, won the challenger in uh, Gran Canaria. And mm. there's also Nuno Borges. But, I mean, as I said, I wasn't too excited by what Borges showed last week. I like the draw for sure, uh, even though Kovalik is a potentially tricky first round. Uh, but I, I, I always underestimate guys like Nikola Milojevic, honestly. So, so the draw looks very tasty to me in terms of uh, in terms of Borges' chances. The, the question is just, do I want to risk that he loses to Kovalik um, and just, you know, just completely wastes a pick for me? I don't know. I mean, Borges, Magar, I'm just... I like the draw for both, honestly. Just, just thinking where, where there's, like, a higher potential for an upset... And I think I'm going to go with 
Borges maybe again, but they might I might regret it if his standard of play is just so so uneven as it was this week. Uh, yes, I'm very happy to hear that as we're going for Genuka Mager myself. Um, yeah, I really like the draw. Um, first two rounds, even the quarterfinals, you know, maybe Babasori, maybe Pirosh will be very surprised if it's undefined in there. Um, yeah, these two guys have a potential to meet in the semi, so that could be fun always. Um, yeah, I mean, Mager was very, very strong in, in Gran Canaria. Um, he's, he sort of, well, I don't want to say walked the draw because he did drop his head, but uh, well, it was, was, was quite dominant in, in most of his matches. Uh, took, took a week out. Now he's coming back in. I, I think it's almost the, the perfect conditions for him. Uh, Tabenet is somebody considered a little bit, but uh, yeah, um, I, I was going for Maguer almost always since I saw the draw. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't have a peak prepared as usual. <laughs> so I was just sort of thinking on the fly and I mean, I might regret not speaking longer. Uh, but Borges and Magic seemed like uh, no, both both seemed like very good picks to me. And probably Magar is the the more sensible option. But uh, you know, people people who have been listening, they, they know that I I love my junior Borges and I I will be picking him until he obviously he has already won one. Uh, I can't remember if I picked him to win that one. Probably not. <laughs> so my timing hasn't been spot on. Uh, but I'm hoping that at some point he will uh, earn me one more point uh, or hopefully even more. Uh, yeah, uh, so thanks for listening, guys, and see you in a week when we're going to discuss Phoenix, Rosetto degli Abruzzi, and um, um, Concepcion. Uh, this is really a time you really want to tune into Challenger Tour matches. It, it's a little, a bit of, a, you know, it's a bit of a shame that Phoenix will probably be going at around the same time as Indian was. So mm. I'm not, I'm not suspecting that the. Oh, by the way, yeah, let's let's play, let's play a game. It's just one question that came to my mind right now. But what would you estimate will be the viewership? Like the, let's say not, let's say the peak viewership. Of Mektic and Pavic's first round match in Phoenix. Oh wow, that, that's a very interesting question. Um, peak viewership, right? So, so when when you look at the the, the ATP uh, Challenger Tour live stream, yes. is, is that the number that it shows? Is, is peak yeah viewership? the number that it shows? I mean, the, no, no, no. The the when you come back to the stream, like mm -hmm. before okay. before you enter, that's not no. The number is like whole number of views. Like after oh. after after it's done, but during mm -hmm. the stream, the the number that you have in the top corner, that's the viewership that is right now. So I'm mm -hmm. obviously we're not gonna be able to potentially just look at the number <laughs> for every for every single minute of the match. But I mean, you know, just just as, as as some sort of like how many people will be watching like you know, during uh, the, you know, during the, uh, some interesting moment like because usually when there's like a the, the set is finishing, there's a tie break, the, the number rises. For example, yesterday, yeah. I believe Delian, uh, that, that's, that wasn't yesterday, it was two days ago already, Delian Tabilo had like four and a half, uh, four and a half K at some point, which was really sick to see. I mean, I, I didn't expect this at all because Mare playing had like 5K or something, five mm -hmm. and a half, I believe. Yeah. I, I I was gonna say numbers so, somewhere in that range or around five thousand, 
uh, I am I, I'm not fully sure just how popular Mektij and Pavic are in Croatia, uh, but if, if it's anything similar to to uh, Polashek's uh, fame in, in Slovakia, which I think is, is it's kind of a uh, an okay comparison, uh, but I assume that they're even more popular because they're the number one uh, and all. I, I do think it's it's going to hit 5,000 at some point in that first round match. Okay. Uh, I'm very glad you said this because I'm actually uh, going to say like 500 uh, tops. Uh, <laughs> why? Because people don't watch doubles. And I think we're going to see another example of this. Like I, I, I would love to see 5K on their match, but I just think people won't care. Uh, let's see. I mean, I maybe maybe I'm just completely dead wrong on this. Maybe this is really so important that a number one and number two are playing a challenger, and everyone can just access a stream uh, without paying for anything at all. But I just I just don't think people care. Like this is going to be like a fun fact that everyone knows about this week that uh, you know that Mektic and Pavic, the number one and number two, are playing a challenger. Wow. Uh, lots of people are going to tweet about it, but no one is actually going to put on the stream. That's my prediction <laughs> for this. I, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. Um, I mean, I have to promote uh, this match a lot now to to make sure that I win this. But yeah, it's it, it's an issue of like I, I feel like um, if. Um, if, if, if people just knew that, that you could just tune in, because I feel like a lot of people don't know that you can just watch Challenger Tennis this easily. Yep. Uh, and, and I bet a lot of people in Croatia don't know, and, and they would watch Mekic and Pavic, uh, especially for doubles. I mean, if, if there was some way that even uh, potentially a, a TV channel could just put on the stream somehow, uh, or 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 somehow promote it, that, that would be just so huge for it. But yeah. Yeah, people unfortunately do not care about doubles. I, I don't get it. I feel like doubles is so incredibly fun to watch, especially live. It's, you know, it, it happens very fast, obviously, but um, there, there's just so much going on on the court at all times. Um, it's, you know, it, it, I feel like it's a great product that gets sort of left behind. And I, and I do worry about the future of doubles with how much the guys are, are getting paid and how much... I mean, they are getting paid very little, but they're bringing in virtually no revenue because they're just not promoted in any way. It's just it's just such a shame to see, really. Yeah, and singles guys play beating them just all over the place, really, which is yeah. always like, a, it's, it's very fun to hear as a story, but it's also not a great marketing point. I mean, even last night, I'm just I'm just glancing for results and Tom, uh, Taylor Fritz and Tommy Paul beat Kabbalah and Farah one and four. Like that's just you know, what does that say about doubles in as a, as a discipline? I love watching it. I I think we should totally keep it up. Uh, but it's you know it's not a great look that top the top elite doubles pairs are are losing to guys who just want to play this because they you know, they're they're at the event anyway, or or something like this right. It it would definitely help it. But yeah, as as you said, promoting is a, is an issue. Uh, basically in tennis we've got this attitude that whenever something is not really popular we should just let it you know we should just leave it be and then we, we shouldn't care about promoting it we shouldn't even try 
So we're obviously referring to the Challenger Tour as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like for example, I I feel like mixed doubles uh, at, at slams it, it should just be such a huge thing. Same thing. Yeah. No, no other sport does this. I can't think of a single other sport. Uh, where, where, table tennis. <laughs> yeah, well, table tennis and, and badminton, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, but 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 it is just such a huge like thing to have is just such a huge advantage that you can have um and to sort of not promote it like like, like seeing the mixed doubles draws i I'm, I'm i'm just baffled every single time at like how come more interesting players aren't playing this because mm-hmm. it's just a cool concept um yeah it's it's, it's a real shame no it's a cool concept but after all they 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 still feel like the season is too long they they can't really probably afford yeah. to 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 play more. Uh, obviously, there's only four events in mixed doubles, unless we count some things like Copman Cup. Uh, but it has definitely given us some ridiculous uh, moments over the years, like the, the Mari Serena campaign, or I was just recently watching the highlights of uh, Federer playing Serena in, in Copman Cup. That's like yeah. mind blowing that this is this can actually happen. Uh, yeah. So once again, thanks. Uh, we'll see whose whose predictions end <laughs> up turning right. Um, as, you know, not only the winners but also the the doubles, uh, the doubles viewership. I hope it's yours, honestly, in that latter case. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. You see. It. Okay. So thanks, thanks, guys, and see you in a week. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric podcast from Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Babro. A huge thank you to them, as always, for their contributions to our team. I say it every week. I mean it sincerely every time I do. You are not going to find two people further ensconced on the ATP Challenger beat than Damian or Jakob. So a thank you to them again for contributing to this show, of course. If you want to learn more about the action happening across the tennis world, we've got you covered here at Crack Rackets, our weekly broadcast Friday and Sunday, all things college tennis. Friday, we're talking SEC tennis. Sunday, of course, we're talking Big Ten. We recap all the men's and women's Division One action Tuesdays and Thursdays live on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. We talk women Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time. That's going to be Wednesday night this week as we've got a Tuesday night broadcast between Texas A&M and Ohio State. So you're going to hear that Wednesday this week, 9 p.m. The men, as always, Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, we're talking all things Indian Wells over on the Mini Break podcast. And yesterday I had two people joining me to help me play catch up. Nate Walrath of Tennis Point, David Kane, of course, our friend over from Tennis.com. And obviously I've got another Mini Break podcast episode for all of you listeners today talking about who has stood out to me the most thus far through the first, what, four, five, six days of competition whatever day we are at now on the calendar. So again, all of your updates available across our shows and on our website, crackrackets.com. If you need the more immediate updates, though, you know where to turn. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. With all of that said, for our hosts of today's show, Damien Kust and Babro, super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turn of Tennis, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.